Hey guys, welcome back to 404 Cybersecurity Not Found. My name is Jay, and we're here with David Day, Luke, and Kieran. Um, and today we're going to be talking about the Blackboard hack back in May. Um, Blackboard is actually a financial platform um, that's used with nonprofit organizations, and it's caused a bunch of disruption across universities. Do you guys want to start talking about that? Sure. Yeah, yeah I'll start. I'll start. Um, well, the the, the I, I guess the thing from one of the first things I'd I'd like to discuss is the fact that this breach happened uh, between you know May and June, wasn't it? So you know, I'm a little concerned as to why they've only just recently, in the middle of July, decided to make it public to the universities that have been affected by it. Yeah, that whole GDPR 72 hours of breach notification doesn't translate too well into American English, apparently. What are your views on that, Kieran? I think it's uh, a bit strange how uh, on their website is suddenly shown that they've implemented a new payment system going straight through them. And uh, within the same time frame, there was also this ransomware attack. Do you think, do you think then, so the payment system, it looks, so let's just first of all make this clear, right? So this, this Blackboard Financial system software company and CRM company as well that, that creates this software for nonprofit organizations. This breach, this ransomware breach that's happened has affected, you know, a bunch of different universities in the UK, including, and in the US actually, but U, uh, UK universities, including Exeter, York, Loughborough, Leeds, University College, Oxford, you know, some, some pretty big names there that have been disrupted badly through ransomware, which has uh, affected all of you know their data blackboard really has for me seemingly drops a bit of a clangor here and i i like you kieran i'm curious because i noted that the financial services and payment taking systems were implemented in february and then this breach appears to have started in may so speculative only no 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 direct claims being made here do we think that might be more than a coincidence? I think it's it's probably down to if they they might not have had it pen tested, they might have been trying to get it rushed out because you see that they've got certificates and they they get audited for security, but it makes you think what part of that was actually audited if this has happened. Yeah, I mean, like if it's if that payment thing, um, well, that would be in uh, scope of PCI DSS, but. As well, I noted in their in the statement that they put out in their blog, they they lean quite heavily and big up their uh, the security certifications uh, that they have, including PCI DSS. From experience, organisations are always quite careful in how they scope PCI DSS and their compliance with it to save themselves a bill of work. Um, so, if uh, it was due to the payment system that got hacked, then that's obviously a, a larger issue um, with their PS- PCI DSS auditing. Um, but if it wasn't, and uh, our hunch on this is wrong, then uh, them leaning on it is wrong because uh, it's uh, likely that uh, if it was a separate system that wasn't uh, connected to uh, their payment card uh, systems, that it may not have even been inside PCI DSS. So mentioning it is a reason why they're so secure. It's not always the best thing to do, in my opinion. I don't know. We certainly seem to be lacking details at the moment. You know, if I'm looking at what's, you know, we've all had a look at briefly at what's publicly available in terms of the breach and very little has been forthcoming from from Blackboard regarding exactly 
how this attack has taken place, what the attack vector was, what the uh, means of attack was, how far it's gone. You know, the, the, they've been pretty sketchy in terms of the, the information that they're, they're telling us about. You know, again, just moving back to that point about this happening in May, I'm curious what why they felt that it was responsible to to leave it, you know, all the way through whatever the remainder of May was. They haven't actually said the specific date in May, up until uh, July the 16th when they actually uh, started to come clean about this attack. What, what were they doing in that time period that they felt meant they didn't need to tell other people whose data is affected of what's happened you know there's a there's a few things that 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 i question there particularly when you put that as well into the context of the fact they did pay a ransom so this i'm i'm using the in the the terms which i've read from uh, their press releases which is this cyber criminal rather than uh criminal fraternity um was responsible for this attack. So it it the way it's being reported, at least, is that it was a single person that was responsible for this ransomware breach, and they got what they wanted. They got a they got uh they got the ransom paid to them. So you know what 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 do we think about that? Right? What do we think about that delay and also the fact they paid the ransom too? I mean, were they did they delay while they were thinking about paying the ransom? While they tried everything else first? And then realised they had to pay the ransom. It it does come into question of was the universities told at the same time everyone else was? Did they get told beforehand saying we'd been attacked with ransomware, or have they just thought they could try and do it under radar? Because they they're keeping quite tight lipped about this, even though so many people have been affected. So it does come into question of these universities and like food banks only just found out around similar time to everyone else well i i read that um that this is on the bbc's uh, website that uh, blackboard notified the universities about making the ransom payment on the uh, on the 16th uh so uh whether whether that's um the time that they also admitted to the breach or not, I don't know. Uh, but the, the, the uh, you know, the, I mean, there have been asked, it says here, the uh, universities, um, uh, in this particular instance, University of York, uh, asked Blackboard why it didn't confirm that the attack that happened in May until the 16th of June. And, you know, they haven't, they haven't come back with a, with a decent answer to that, other than saying the cyber criminal was able to remove a, a copy of a subset of data from clients. <laughs> but they have given no reason why there was that delay. And uh, the ICO have been informed. The ICO were informed via the universities. So they told the universities, and then the universities then uh, then then told the ICO. As, as a data subject, it makes me feel more uneasy about these sort of breaches. I feel like the more companies keep their cards close to their chest, generally the worse it kind of goes. Like what? What are they hiding so much? Yeah, there's definitely there's de- you know it it, it it the whole thing just smells, doesn't it? Really, to be honest, it stinks. The length of the length of time before they were told, and 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 then uh, you know the 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 fact that there was you know a, a, just a single cyber criminal and they paid the ransom, and and you know if you look at their website, there's there's a there's a section on it or a, an article at least 
which talks about them, you know, almost bragging, you know, li- listen to how we, we prevented this ransomware attack. Um, and then goes on ultimately to admit that a subsection of the data was, uh, was uh, infected with ransomware, um, you know, after, after subsequently saying that they, they, they isolated the attacker and they kicked them off and they stopped him locking down systems, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it seems to me pretty pretty poor show, really, a bit, you know, Dom, Donald Trump-esque to be, uh, to be bragging about preventing ransomware when you've ultimately had to pay the, uh, the, the ransom. It doesn't say a great deal for, for backup and contingency planning. That's a fact. David? It, it also says a lot about the, um, the way how they're going about it. Surely other people with these systems, they could do with being told what ransomware, because um, they haven't even mentioned that. Is it custom? Is it um, a well-known name one? Um, and if other people have these, and it could be running on one port or one service, it at least gives other people defences, but there's no word on on how they've even gone about it, um, which is, again, even more strange and would make you think, are they actually helping or are they just thinking because they paid it out it's the quickest and easiest solution i think i think i I think that what (laughs) i'm just going to have to to give this quote out because um it's amusing if i'm honest with you uh the third party supplier uh so i'm reading now from the bbc's website the third party supplier uh, blackboard has confirmed that their investigation found that no encrypted information such as bank account details or passwords was accessible. Now, you know, uh, to anybody within the community, security, uh, um, uh, the security community, that's laughable because clearly if strong encryption is in place, obviously they're not going to be accessible. It, do- it doesn't mean that they're, uh, they're not out there, right? It doesn't mean that they're not sat uh, with the bad guys along with a bunch of clear text, unencrypted data of which you know, quite there was quite a lot, wasn't there? I mean, you know, names, addresses, emails, um, uh, you know, a lot of information that was uh, that was leaked out in clear text. I think what's even funnier than that is that they went on to say that uh, after they paid the ransom, uh, that they were informed by uh, the attacker that the data has been deleted. And like, with confirmation. <laughs> with confirmation, yeah. It just seems to me... I don't know. Maybe we've just been cynical, but why would why would you trust the criminal? Yeah, actually, to be to be fair, I'm not sure that address was in, included in that list. Uh, but uh, but yeah, there's certainly a lot, certainly an awful lot of personal information, phone, email, LinkedIn profiles, etc. Um, but yeah, to 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 have that view that um, <laughs> we've been assured by the cyber criminal that they have deleted all personal data. All oh, right, okay, yeah, that's what they've done. That's what they've done. An organization which holds you to ransom for information, takes your money, and then deletes all the data because, you know, that's that's the ethical kind of people that they are. Because they're good I, guys, I yeah. Mean, I feel like on. that's the uh, same way, like, companies say they use military-grade encryption. It's just buzzwords. It's, oh, we've, we've 
tackled and defended against this ransomware and it's not you you've paid it off and you're hoping that they're not gonna leak any information and you've got their you've got their word that <laughs> they've uh they've deleted the information i'm very very nervous about the fact they haven't said how this breach has occurred you know, you tend to think the worst when you're not told, don't you? You know, usually at least you get the normal flannel about it being an incredibly sophisticated attack, right? Because nobody wants to admit they got caught out with a basic SQL I um, or, uh, or a default password somewhere on their systems. Uh, but, but you know, I want to I see the details of what happened here. And, um, you know, they're, uh, they're a public listed company, aren't they? Don't they have obligations to release certain information? Uh, yeah, well, they've they've said that they're not actually going to uh, release the information, but um, as a Nasdaq uh, listed company, um, they may have to disclose how much they paid in the ransom um, as part of their uh, filing with the Security and Exchange Commission. So, I mean, although they've said that they're not going to do that, if this information, or how much they paid, uh, is considered pertinent to the stock price of the company or their financial filings, they may actually have to do that, which I think is quite interesting because. Like how much did they pay? It's just going to be. I mean, I can't imagine it was a small amount, like a large company like this. But once you're in there and you've got this information, I mean, it's already looks awful for them. Um, but I don't. But why I, I do they? But but also, why do they need to pay? I mean, information, you know, uh, name, title, gender, date of birth, student number, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, you know, the, the the grades you got on your course and all the rest of it, right? So let, let, let's make the assumption that the, the criminal isn't going to delete all this data once he receives his ransom. Um, why would you pay it unless there was no way you could get it back? And if there's no way you can get it back, what on earth is going on with the disaster recovery processes? You should yeah. never be in a position, should you, where you can't, you can't, you know, recover that data. Yeah, and like they just, just, just to think that the people have deleted it as well. It's just, it's just the, I just that thought just keeps on rattling around in my head. Um, and to get fly in the like, like the NCSE and like NIST all, all say don't pay the ransom. That's like the default standard. Don't pay the ransom. And yet people are they're kind of empowering these people side of criminals and proving that it is profitable to hold people for ransom. I think that's kind of the most disgusting thing about it, to be honest. Is but it, he is keeps it worth, doing a job, I guess. <laughs> is it worth, the, for the last couple of minutes, maybe just discussing the ethics of paying ransoms? Shall, shall we? Shall we t- give a view yeah. on that? Well, what, what's? Uh, I've got a horrible feeling we might all just agree, though. Uh, I'm going to play. You know what? I'm going to start. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. This is not my view, right? But I'm going to play devil's advocate. If you're in a situation, and let's say you're in a situation uh, like blackboards, where um, your customer's data has been encrypted. You can't get hold of it. Your customers are irate. Things aren't working for them. Stuff's you know not doing what it should. Um, and you've you've looked at all the options. You've looked at the costs that it would take to 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 have to you know to to fess up for want of a better word to all the universities and say we've lost all your data. We can't retrieve your data. Um, sorry about that, uh, and then potentially get hit with lawsuits, you know, from the universities. Um, huge, probably reputational damage that the universities then think, you know, what? I just don't want to use you anymore. You're, 
you're, you're, you're totally incompetent. It's, it cost us so much money with all the data that you've lost. You're, you're, you're sat there with very few options, right? You've, you've dropped the ball. You, you admit you've dropped the ball. And you think, what, what else can I do? Either, either, either pay the ransom or potentially go out of business. I mean, you know, you're going to do it, aren't you? No. <laughs> no. I mean, but as you say, like the data's already gone, like the mistake's already made. And what, what added benefit does it have, uh, Mr. Devil's Advocate, uh, to pay the ransom? Because the data's well, because, already gone. Well, because, because if, well, it hasn't gone, has it? They, they, they get the encryption key and they get it back. So that so the data is that those companies can then the universities themselves can become operational again, whereas part of their operations would have been hindered through the fact that all that data was 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 locked. So, um, is so it it, information it, the universities would already have though. You thought that they have information regarding their students, like uh, email addresses and stuff like that, in a separate database. Uh, well, I mean, there's a couple of things there, isn't there? The first one is um, they might have, they may have, they may not have. <laughs> Uh, the second one is that are going to have to go to those universities and say, "Look, we've lost all your data. We're going to have to, put, you know, try to work a way where we can retrieve as much of it as possible." And maybe they're just utterly terrified of, you know, that the 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 hit of having to um, hurt the other organisations by making them uh, recover this data that they have lost. So maybe they think the the best thing to do for the benefit of their customers is to pay it. They may think, you know, we're, you know, it's 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 not the not what we would like to do, but we've got to we've got for the benefit of our customers, we have to pay it. Otherwise, we're going to you know drop them all in the mire. So so you know, I can kind of you know now now I'm playing devil's advocate. I can kind of understand the decision, but obviously I can't. In <laughs> at any the same way. time, not understand it at all. <laughs> I can I can understand I can understand it. I can't condone it. There's a there's a difference. But I think it is. A lot of trying to save face now, isn't it? It's it's happened. They don't want to be the company to turn around to universities and say, "Well, it's happened, but we're not going to do anything about it." They they want to stay on everyone's good side, and when all this finishes, like on their um, website when they were talking about the ransomware attack. It was all the, they were like bigging themselves up of, we went out of our way to pay for it. We've dealt with it. We've took it all on board so the universities and customers don't have to. Um, yeah, until, you, until you find all that information for sale on the, uh, <laughs> yeah. on the dark web. But it's all right because they've been confirmed, deleted. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Do, do you know what? Shall we, shall we? Let's. When more information comes out on this, which it surely will, yeah. Um, and we have a bit more information about how the actual ransom took place, the technical mechanisms of how it happened, and the people, you know, and the and the particular vulnerabilities, be they people, processes, or technical, that were exploited to to to, to cause that. Um, yeah, maybe we should pick this up again and have have, a, have another chat about it. But I, th- I think we're probably just about at the end of this particular topic. So. Uh, Shall uh, shall we shall we wrap it up and move on to the next the next topic? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Okay. So our next subject of the day um, is the DJI drones, um, the security flaw affecting them, um, and the app that controls them. If you guys want to take that away. 
Yeah. So the um, post, but well, it's a brilliant blog post by uh, Synactive. If anyone wants to go really in depth with it, um, but the basic idea is the DJI app having um, lots of permissions uh, straight off the bat, uh, wanting contact details, uh, wanting to know connections, SD cards. Uh, I think there are also phone numbers in there. Um, and them having a self-updating mechanism, uh, which was also stated to be against the Google Play's terms of service, that would allow anyone to install uh, applications um, and this was found uh, to be uh, what would you say it's it's not interesting it's more like eye eye opening um, i'm going to go i'm going to go for worrying yeah yeah i think worrying is a good place to Good place to say. I mean, like, yeah, Kieran Swan, like, it's a fantastic piece of um, investigative research uh, that Synactive have done. Um, and they kind of, I don't, I don't know, like, at the moment, there seems to be a lot of kind of uh, Western sort of investigation into Chinese tech companies, um, some of which, like, like DJI and Huawei, are kind of leading the field in their respective um, like uh, markets. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, I know the research covers uh, several shady features. Um, one of them, uh, Kieran just mentioned about like the overly uh, permissive uh, permissions that uh, it gives. But that, I mean, that's not the first time we've heard that in an Android app, right? To have too many permissions. Yeah. And there, there was, there, there's a lot of, like every, most things on Google Play Store, although they do get vetted, a lot slips through, and that's why a lot of people might choose iOS. Um, but even the researchers have said a lot of the code is obfuscated, which isn't allowed with uh, iOS. So I'd like to see what the iOS app does in comparison to the Android one. Kieran, can you, can you just just for the sake of um, some of the listeners, can you explain what you mean by uh, the, the, the code is obfuscated? Yeah, so uh, they'll try and hide code or um, try and make it overly complicated so when you do go to reverse engineer it or uh, want to have a poke and a prod, it's not obvious. Um, and this is largely used with Google because they have to sift through the code. If it's that confusing enough that whoever's vetting it doesn't understand or just looks at it and thinks, that doesn't look malicious straight off the bat. That's how it gets in. Um, okay. So, 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 would you suggest then that um, the the intention? Um, and I, I obviously, we don't know what the intentions were, but that the intention uh, could have been um, malicious. They, they could have intentionally created difficult to interpret, obfuscated code uh, in order to to throw. Google and other researchers potentially off the scent so that they could um, incorporate functionality which they know wouldn't be particularly popular Mm. with those that value their privacy. Yeah, Um, it's it's a double-edged sword because a lot of companies will implement this into apps. Um, Windows apps has it, 
Um, and it's it's one of those things of a company's wanting to keep their secret secret and not wanting to share all the technology behind um, their product. So it is very much a double-edged sword of could they be hiding um, stuff that they knew that won't be accepted if found, but also would they obfuscate it anyway if these features weren't implemented? Oh, um, that's a good point. That's a good point. I see what you mean. What you're saying is, sure, they could have obfuscated it for malicious purposes. Other words, you know, trying to hide um, potentially malicious spying activity. But by the yeah. same token, it's also a technique employed to protect the the intellectual property, if you like, of the of the, of the application itself. I, th- I think yeah. Luke's got his hand up there. Is it a, a point you wanted to make? Yeah. There? <laughs> uh, uh, that was just the uh, that was exactly the same point that I uh, I wanted to make. To be honest, like the only reason you, you would obfuscate code isn't just because you're being malicious or you have something to hide. Well, it's that you do have something to hide, but it's your intellectual property um, that you have to hide. That was about it. Um, I just wanted to like touch on as well, like another one of the um, quote shady features uh, that was brought up in this piece of research, um, which was the auto updating mechanism. Um, so I, we, like, we understand that that's against Google uh, stores uh, um, terms of service yeah, right. that they can have uh, an update, which isn't uh, done through uh, the Google play store. So it kind of circumvents that um, protection that you get when installing um well, some protection when you get from uninstalling uh, verified apps on the Google Play Store. Um, but yeah, what do you think about that, Kieran? I think it's... The the worrying part is not that it auto-updates because that is probably just a feature that they'd like to have and they, it means that they don't have to keep uploading stuff to Google Play for it to be verified. Um, the worrying part about it is in the blog post, they show that they pushed through their own app and all the app was is just like a, a green shield and it said security update because um, it still requires user interaction and if you saw that on your phone you'd just think your phone were doing an update you you, you won't bat an eyelid that that's the scariest part about it and from there on anything could happen they could put ransomware on like we talked previously, they they could honestly do anything with that phone, with it being Android and being so open. Um, that's that's the biggest worry, I would imagine. Can I can I ask a question about what what they could potentially do if they chose to? And I'm not suggesting there's no evidence. Let's be clear on that. That that um, this potential for exploitation has been committed however we do know that that potential exists and i am um concerned about why that is Uh, i'm skeptical uh and suspicious probably would be a better word about the reasons for why they would generate an application which allowed gave these opportunities for malicious activity but what can they do? So, for example, I think this is a, you know, we're talking about a drone here. We're talking about a drone with a camera on it. Um, can, could, could malicious parties capture the 
video from the drone? Could they, you know, could they could could essentially um, a, a malicious operative use this for reconnaissance for for spying uh, on 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 another country? Well, it's because of the permissions um, the original app gave. It gave quite a lot of this information without needing much modification by the sounds of it. So it had um, like location, uh, serial numbers, IMEI numbers. Um, so that, just alone with the DJI app, uh, allowed a lot of privacy to be, I don't know, let out, let's say. Could they, could they, could they see the images from the camera? Um, with that, by the sounds of it, it's if they had a live streaming feature implemented um, that uses a certain SDK for a Chinese um, blog website. Um, if they have that feature up, then by the sounds of it, they could just stream and watch the the cameras. Okay, um, so 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 my concern here then is. Or, or, or should I put it like this? I, I can imagine um, the the U.S. Uh, government could potentially be concerned about the potential for because these are because these drones are used in in professional organisations as well, aren't they? For for uh, you know um, yeah. surveying sites. I don't know whether these things are sort of you know checking on different areas for building or you know whatever they might be um, for for for, for variant, various purposes. Um, I, I can imagine that there could be a, an argument made that if this information is finding its way back to to an organisation in China, who is then legally bound, uh, as I understand it, to share that information with the Chinese government, that there could be you know a, a, a whole barrel of spying and espionage uh, type concerns uh, being raised. Luke, uh, did you have something uh, to say? Yeah, I was just uh, kind of going to put on my tinfoil hat for a little bit, um, if that's all right, and just kind of wanted to discuss more what you could do with the sort of information that's generated by uh, DJI drones. Um, I think a lot of, like, I think with most data, um, it's weaponizable, right? It's just if the data uh, you have is a relevant target uh, for you. So um, say uh, my buddy who's got a DJI drone, um, if they were to, uh, if the flight paths uh, and images and uh, times and locations and stuff like that were to get sent back um, to China, which we don't know they are, um, that's not really going to affect anybody. I mean, it's an invasion of his privacy um, and how he's using the drone, but it's nothing like that critical. However, um, if it was a police organization or a, mem- a member like the government or like the army or military use that's got this information, um, and they're using the drones in their professional uh, applications uh, to protect all the police or whatever it is they may be doing, then that suddenly opens up a different kind of espionage um, uh, conversation. And I think if they've got access to everybody's information, if you collect enough information, I think you're going to find something juicy. And I think that this is something that could potentially happen on that. I don't know what you guys think about that if I play devil's advocate there for a second. Well, it's... Brings into it of, let's say they use for su- surveillance for a building, um, and they might just go around the perimeter 
if you can track the location, you already know how long it takes to get from one side of the building to the other. So it could also open it up to, well, you don't see anyone on the camera because they've just waited for the uh, drone to pass and they know how long left they've got before they would need to break in, theoretically. Um, Mission Impossible spec, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, if if someone went into the effort of doing all this uploading a malicious um, file or finding a vulnerability, there's nothing stopping them from going ahead and going further to see what they could also do. I think as well, I, I, I want to pick up on um, on Luke's point too about, I mean, how many of these uh, drones are out there? You know, how many uh, uh, people own this, this, this type of drone? How many organizations? Because, you know, Luke's point's right. You know, let, let, let's consider this as not an individual uh, information collecting exercise, but en masse when you combine all of the images, all of the video together, you know, what, what, you know, the, the, think of how much potential data that you could, you could uh, harvest from, you know, uh, or different areas, countries, states, you know, whatever there might be uh, that you could collect together. I'm, I'm just, I'm just really worried about that camera on there and, and the information that, 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 that could be pulled from that. You know, as you said, combined with the GPS locations, they they not only see the see they could not only potentially see what the drone's looking at through through live streaming or or however they manage to do it, but they also know exactly where it is because I've got the GPS um, tracking it too, right? Yeah, and it's all it's all patterns, isn't it? It's if a drone's being flown at a specific time of day, but it's manned, then you you already know straight away, right, every morning at this time a drone goes out. Um, why is it going out? Where's it going to? So uh, there's places in the UK where they're not on the map for security reasons. Um, that would open up a big can of worms of, oh, you know that secret base you've got yeah we know exactly where it is and how you get to it and who's there and wow <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like that um fitness tracking app isn't it that gave away um loads of u.s secret bases in there yeah because like, like the um like the soldiers on like secret service people were running around uh, their army base installation and then posting uh th- like the uh, flight path or like their the path that they took um around their army base online and then ended up giving away these sort of things so I think it's more common than you might think uh, for these sort of things to happen. It's just yeah. how you do, use the data. Do we do do we know whether whether the military use these kind of drones? Not for sure, um, but I mean, I, I don't know. DJI mm. are like at the top of their game, though. So, so you would you would hazard a guess that they probably do then? Potentially, but given like how the the US uh, has lent on like other Five Eyes. Uh, member countries uh, to give up Huawei in their 5G systems. I can't imagine they'd be particularly thrilled about uh, DJI drones being used as well. I don't know. You can bet, that, you can bet their ass they will be, though. And then you know what? I, re- I really wouldn't be surprised, not even slightly, if that was the case, if the US military 
was using those drones. Um, they might not do now, but certainly that, that that is a concern. It's a wider concern, isn't it, as well, really, re- regarding the whole sort of Internet of Things um, security, which perhaps we ought to have as a, as a bigger discussion point at, uh, at some time. Um, just one more point, I think, before before we wrap this up that, that's occurred to me. Um, and I know we talked a little bit about this before we started the podcast, Kieran. Um, but uh, I, I'm curious, um, would there be any way of controlling the, 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 the drone or maybe reprogramming it? So, so by that, I mean, could it be possible to... to um, while not necessarily controlling the drone in real time, would there be sufficient access, do you think, to actually program the, the the drone to go to a certain place? Now, the reason why I'm saying this is twofold. First of all, of course, there's, ob- there's an obvious uh, reason that you could do that because maybe you want to get some reconnaissance or look at a particular area and you could tell the drone to go there. But we're also familiar with the fact that aircraft don't like taking off when there's drones around, right? So you could cause some pretty serious disruption if you pointed a bunch of drones towards the, uh, the, the uh, to, to fly around an airport, right? Yeah, and it's there's a lot of vectors that you could, uh, I'm going to say, attack. But um, it's you've got the app itself. You could install another app that could overlay fake button presses so um even though it might not be directly communicating with a drone and it it can still communicate through the dji app um that would be something interesting it's happened a lot with um like banking malware for uh, phones where all it requires is access to um I think it's like on on screen presses, and it, just from doing that, it's able to give itself all the permissions it needs, and controls, opens your app, logs in, and then quickly closes it. We should we should have a play with this, shouldn't we? See if there's any potential yeah. for doing that. It'd be because that that I mean that's just another area where bad things could could be made to happen. Um, I think I think we've probably done this one now, have we? Do you reckon? Talk, talk this one to death. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's really interesting, and I'd love to see how much more comes out um, now. People know what happens on back end. Hmm. Well, I wouldn't want people to think that we're we're just droning on. <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> oh, come on! So should I put on the uh, the candle after now, or wait until afterwards? Editing the can laughter. It'll be okay. fine. Nobody will notice. <laughs> All right. Should we call it a day then? Yeah. All right. Okay. So it's, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from uh, Luke, uh, Jay and Kieran. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 See you next time.